You know, for centuries, the ultra-wealthy have been putting their money where their mouths are by investing in fine wine. And now, with Vint, you can do that too. At Vint, we offer SEC-qualified investment opportunities of fine wine and spirits curated by our experts with portfolio managers. With Vint, you can invest and diversify into the most sought-after assets that have a history of price appreciation. Learn more at VINT.co. For full investment disclosure information and more, visit VINT.co. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hi, this is Min Kim. I'm your host for Around the Coin, and today we're joined by Aaron, head of listings at Coin Market Cap. This show is sponsored by Otter Labs, HireOtter.com. You can go there to find top tier developers, and Helio Lending, H E L I O Lending.com, which is a lending and borrowing platform, and also CryptX, C R Y P T X which provides exchange and wallet services. If you're interested in speaking on a future show, you can DM us at Around the Coin on Twitter. Hope you enjoy the show. Hi, this is Min Kim from Around the Coin. And today I'm joined by Aaron, who is head of listings at CoinMarketCap. Thanks for being here, Aaron. Hi, Min. Uh, Thanks for having me. Definitely. I'm super excited to have you on the show today just because you come with a wealth of knowledge. You were formerly a diplomat and you were one of the first early employees at CoinMarketCap. So tell us more about how you got started at CoinMarketCap and also the CoinMarketCap origin story. Okay. Yeah, uh, will do. So I actually joined CoinMarketCap in November 2018 and the events leading up to it was uh, really happenstance. Uh, so I was in Korea in the summer of 2018 for Blockchain Week. So it was a series of conference uh, uh, back then. And I happened to uh, meet like one of the founding employees or rather early employees of CoinMarketCap. It was Luke, whom I'm sure you are acquainted with. Uh, we met in the lobby of, uh, I think, the Schiller Hotel, if I recall correctly. And we just had a couple of uh, random chats uh, about, like, uh, you know, like I, I learned that he, like the team was looking to hire. So when I expressed interest, I think we had we kept in contact. We had a number of conversations uh, in regards to this. And um, I think the interesting thing about the origin story, I think, uh, to talk about like Luke and some of the early employees, is that um, it really started as a side project for Brendan. So uh, to give you some. Uh, backstory, like a lot of the early employees were from Brandon's inner circle, basically people he trusted and uh, they were his friends. So like, for example, Luke, he's like a top competitive DDR player. So DDR for the uninitiated is Dunsun's Revolution. It's uh, the game where you kind of have to break a sweat to achieve a high score, like, uh, you know, bust a move, as they say. Uh, So yeah, um, it was 
really like um, if you think about coin market cap, uh, it was really an extension of some of uh, Brandon's early side projects as well, because of him being like a competitive DDR player. He, I'm given to understand from the stories passed down from some of the some of some of his closest friends and early employees was that he used to create or rather he had a habit of tinkering and creating like uh, scoreboards right for Dance Dance Revolution, and by that very same token, pun intended. Um, when crypto, uh, you know, w- was birthed, uh, I think sometime in like uh, during the early days of crypto, rather, like he wanted a way to compare different uh, different crypto assets. So it's an extension of the leaderboard or ranking system that you see. So it just so happened that the metric that he used was a uh, market cap, right? So and then that led to the eponymously named coin market cap. So yeah, that's uh, really the origin story and. Uh, as to how I came to CMC, like uh, yeah, I I think like to revisit the earlier point that I made, like um, a lot of the early employees were gaming aficionados. So like DDR is one of them. We also play like a bunch of games, like uh, Smash Brothers. So I think I I vibed with quite a like a Luke and a number of the early employees pretty well. So I think that definitely played a role in me snagging the role. Uh, yeah. So that's I think kind of like how. I ended up in this current position. Uh, so I've witnessed like the events uh, culminating in the acquisition, and obviously like uh, how things have sort of stabilized post acquisition. One year after the acquisition, so it's been quite a roller coaster ride to say the least. Yeah. That's super interesting. I know that the acquisition made huge waves in crypto press and on crypto Twitter. It was a four hundred million dollar acquisition, and there were also a lot of myths about the acquisition. Um, would you care to share just kind of what what your take on some of the myths were? And if you can, uh, would you help us kind of debunk, debunk some of these myths? Okay, so uh, let, let me just address the elephant in the room. Uh, I think in the immediate aftermath of uh, the acquisition, there was a lot of FUD uh, surrounding CMC uh, no longer being independent. So if you want to be pedantic about definitions and... And yes, obviously, uh, taking a binary view, uh, CMC is no longer independent by virtue of it being owned by another entity. I mean, that much is obvious. So I think the real conversation to be had is in the nuances, right? Like uh, to what degree or how much autonomy does CMC have uh, post-acquisition? I think that's something that's uh, more worthy of uh, dialogue, right? So um, in this connection, I think uh, one of the things that I can say or rather invoke is a, a blog post that CZ actually put out after... Uh, sometime after the acquisition to address some of the FUD. And I think a lot of it is quite representative of how things are right now. So in short, like all acquired companies uh, uh, by Binance basically function like business units, right? Uh, There's a set of KPIs, a set of targets that must be hit. And obviously within a larger organization, a business unit, uh, there's some element of cross-departmental collaboration when it makes sense, right? It's not, uh, it's a matter of degree. So from what I've seen, like for the most part, we are pretty... We have a, relative, a pretty high degree of autonomy in terms of how we operate. We get to decide, but at the end of the day, like uh, we also have targets to achieve. So uh, sometimes we talk to other departments, just asking us about you know how we handle certain data and like they ask questions about how we treat certain things, our methodology. But for the most part, I don't think there have been like any changes. I've been able to align like uh, most of the stakeholders. So on the point of independence, I, I think uh, or rather impartial. Impartiality or whatever, like I, I think that's still a, a 
fairly large degree of autonomy. So I think the second point uh, was the FUD surrounding uh, how the ranking system was rejigged to favor Binance. So I think it's kind of disingenuous uh, that some of the people leveling such criticisms uh, often point out how Binance was the beneficiary of, uh, you know, uh, the coin market cap acquisition, when a lot of aggregators also put Binance uh, as number one. So I think the key thing is optics, right? Because pre-acquisition, uh, another exchange was at the top. If I recall correctly, I think it was hit BTC. And, um, and then after acquisition, it was Binance. So uh, I can speak a bit more about it. So as, as you know, like the, there was a lot of FUD or basically the, the dialogue or discourse surrounding fake volume uh, was really uh, reaching fever fever pitch, I think sometime in like 2018 to, I think basically from 2018 to 2020, uh, throughout the entire like uh, process, right? Uh, People were complaining, or rather our users, the industry was complaining that, you know, we were promoting fake exchanges, we were giving them a platform to attract new users. And this was actually in response to refining uh, the ranking algorithm uh, to be more rigorous, because in the past, it was just, everything was just sorted on the basis of volume. Right, and I think uh, relying on a unidimensional metric as a sortation mechanism is problematic. But the simple reason is that that it's very easy to game. Right, if you know what you're going to be judged on, uh, what metric you can easily game it. And there's a lot of chicanery and duplicity within this space, uh, and it's pretty challenging. So it started out, I think, uh, in the like for CMC, like uh, I think uh, sometime in 2019, um, a company was acquired was acquired as hashtag capital. So basically, uh, a lot of the hashtag guys uh, came up with this idea of a liquidity score. And initially, that was thought to be the panacea to a lot of these volume woes. So it worked uh, reasonably well for a period of time. But as you might imagine, whatever can be game will be game, right? So it's a constant game of cat and mouse. So it necessitates a process of iteration in terms of uh, the refinement of the algorithm. So to Talk back to my earlier point about a unidimensional metric being easily gameable. I think I see this as a natural evolution because uh, at one point in time, like liquidity, like people are also pointing out issues with some of the exchanges that were ranked highly on this metric. So it was I, I see it as a natural evolution uh, or iteration of the algorithm to like uh, screen or rather rank projects more holistically over a host of uh, variables. So yeah, it's just that maybe the timing was was not opportune and the optics look bad like uh, you know people tend to connect the dots even though like uh, there may not be much underpinning that right correlation does not always imply causation as they say so yeah but i do recognize that yeah that that has been like one of the dominant narratives that we have to grapple with it's just that i think the key point is that uh i'm i just find it weird or and befuddled by the fact that other aggregators that ranked binance near the top so I'm not subject to the same level of criticism. So, yeah, it is what it is, right? Uh, when you're the number one player in the space, you have the largest target on your back. So, yeah. That makes a lot of sense. And I know that there are people who level criticism on CoinMarketCap, but your team has achieved a lot. And I, I saw um, on your LinkedIn profile, for example, that you yourself have evaluated more than 2,000 projects and exchanges. And... You've also formulated the listing policies. So tell me more about the challenges of just evaluating such a large volume of projects and the challenges of managing data for 8,000 plus projects. Oh, yes. It's uh, really challenging. I think the TLDR answer to that is just uh, resources, right? Uh, 
I think given the size of the team and the size of the our audience base, which is 133 million monthly visits, uh, which is larger than Bloomberg, Reuters, and uh, Wall Street Journal, the size of our team is not exactly commensurate with the uh, number of requests or, or, or things that we data points that we have to evaluate and process. So, uh, yeah, to hop back to, on the point about resource constraints, like so, just imagine every asset that you list on the site is a liability in terms of attention resources that goes into the upkeep and maintenance of the information. So uh, just let that sink in for a second. Uh, the number only goes up, right? As the crypto mean goes, right? Number go up. And the number of people that we have also has gone up, but uh, at a slower rate, right? So uh, as you can see, the challenges are really about prioritizing information, like uh, understanding, keeping your finger on the pulse of the market trends so that we prioritize the listings of things that would be of interest to our users. So I think an extension of that point is like a single crypto asset uh, is really a liability in terms of attention and resources because uh, for starters, like they often undergo rebrands, right? So they often ask us to change the URLs. They often ask us to add a new market pair when they get listed on a new exchange. They often ask us to update logos, change the description. Sometimes they get uh, involved in disputes with exchanges, they want us to remove like uh, some markets that you know an exchange listed unilaterally. But this is kind of like a permissionless space, so we don't really like to adjudicate over the disputes. But we are often entangled in a lot of these uh, gnarly situations, and yeah. And when we try to you know distance ourselves from taking sides, we get accused of like uh, aiding and abetting criminals, crooks. And then on the flip side is like we intervene. They say like, oh, you should be neutral. So it's damned if you don't, damned if you do, right? So uh, the job is really uh, an amalgamation of uh, a bit of research, a bit of. Uh, uh, but I think research is also stretching it because uh, we have to move really quickly, right? So I I use like Malcolm Gladwell's term, tin slicing, right? You need to make quick decisions based on uh, the data points that you have, uh, and then another aspect is obviously the operational and of course the PR side of things. Anything that you say can and will be used you are used against you in the court of public opinion and you know how toxic or the environment on Twitter can be sometimes. Uh, so yeah, it's uh, pretty challenging on that front because we are under a lot of scrutiny no matter what we do. So and I, I think to tie back to the earlier point about uh, the acquisition, the optics and everything, I think uh, one of the counterpoints that I can make is that it would be antithetical to the interests of coin market cap to be perceived to be you know biased because that would undermine the entire value proposition and people would uh, shift to like other alternatives so which is why like it's always an intricate balancing act like it's rarely rarely do you ever get the Pareto optimal solution it's often like you know to use some terms i think it's satisficing right choosing the lesser of multiple evils uh that that often confronts us so yeah, I think those are one of the challenges. And obviously exchanges, every exchange that we integrate, there's an elaborate process. Uh, we have to you know, get ensure that the API endpoints are in order because our engineers have to create a supply module. And then like a, I have a, a dedicated team now that has to map the values or the correct price data to the right asset because uh, there's also issues of duplicate tickers and stuff like that. So I think the challenge is the lack of harmonization of API standards within this space because, uh, yeah, it, it, it's quite difficult. Like a lot of people think that, oh, you're not listing it because you're censoring information. But I, I, I put it to them that it's not really the case. Never attribute to malice what can be 
uh, explained by, uh, in this case, not incompetence, but rather resource constraints. So yeah, uh, I think those are some of the high level uh, challenges that we face. Uh, even like, uh, I'll give you another example. It's pretty, uh, I think you might find, find it a bit funny. So there was this coin, like sometimes projects, uh, project founders, they get into, uh, you know, a dispute, right? And they also want us to kind of side with uh, one party, kind of like, you know, the Bitcoin Cash, Bitcoin, uh, Bitcoin Core fork, right? In this case, uh, there was this coin, it was called Titty Coin. So two of the founders, like, uh, I think two factions within the company had control of certain assets of that project, and they wanted to take ownership of the CMC page. So which side do we uh, side with. So these are things that, you know, uh, attention uh, or rather like time sinks. Uh, we try not to spend that much time on it, but we are inexorably sucked into such situations, right? In the end, I think there was a happy ending to that uh, Titty Coin case. Uh, there was a merger between this project called Titty Coin and Tipcoin in the end. So yeah, there's a lot of uh, funny stuff that we see people who are often impugning our intentions, like, uh, like when, when some data is anonymous, they think that we are manipulating it, but often, like, often as they say, like uh, there, are, there are a lot of other factors at play. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. And I know that also at, at the very start of the DeFi wave in the summer, um, coin market cap was a little more resource constrained, but it seems that now you are coming out with so many new innovative features and um, I, I saw, for example, there's an ICO page and different categories and also different um, pages based on Launchpad platforms such as Dowmaker. So how did you guys transition from being a little more conservative uh, with the DeFi projects to, to shipping so quickly? Okay, I think it's a function of time. So to give you a bit more context to the DeFi summer wave, it's not like uh, we were oblivious to the trend. In fact, like uh, in 2019, I noticed a rise in uh, DEXs. And I did say that we should start tracking a lot more DEXs on our site. But I think uh, we were fighting battles on multiple fronts. I think one was to ship the new liquidity score or the new exchange, uh, like, uh, exchange ranking algorithm. So uh, I'd say it was largely a function of resources. And... Uh, there not being enough data points to make the business case to invest the requisite resources to capitalize or track, like, for example, uh, you know, DeFi projects. Because back in the day, like, the thing about uh, crypto and trends in general is that, uh, you know, sometimes you can be a bit too early, right? You can invest the requisite resources and if nothing comes out of it, uh, you've kind of, like, wasted a lot of time and uh, resources. So it was, it was a tricky thing back in the day. Uh, I think what has changed is that a lot of the refactoring work, a lot of the unsexy backend work that is necessary for scaling to uh, the 133 million users that we monthly visitors that we currently have, is that a lot of that has been kind of like uh, done, or at least the core thing. Obviously, there's plenty of room for improvement as well, further optimization to be done. But a lot of the uh, you know uh, basic stuff I think has been settled for the most part. Like uh, even in terms of workflow, there's more automation. So so that has sort of like helped or provided the impetus for a lot of uh, new product innovation. Also, it does help that, you know, post-acquisition, we have had an infusion of new resources, uh, especially on the dev side with more people, more product people working together to ship things quickly. 
So I think that has been like a key change. Uh, I, I know I always talk about resource constraints, but uh, I think even then, like uh, you could view it to compare it or juxtapose the situation from a year back. I think things uh, we are in a better spot, obviously. But uh, I mean, there's so many things that you can do as a data aggregator because really I, I see coin market cap as the front page of crypto. So anything crypto related, it should be kind of like I think. Uh, the gateway drug, uh, maybe that's not a very, okay, a gateway drug to uh, this space, right? So That makes a lot of sense. And I know that coin market cap definitely has reached mainstream awareness. And I, I've seen people such as, um, you know, popular pop culture icons mention it on Twitter. So definitely it's kind of touching, um, touching upon, um, you know, a lot of people's um, uh, mind spaces, I guess. Uh, so, so tell me more about how how your team plans to innovate in the next year or two, and really just distinguish yourself from other sites like CoinGecko, for example. I think from an innovation standpoint, uh, it's largely going to be driven by market trends. So, I think some of the missteps in the past, or some of the constraints in the past, was on the infrastructure side. Uh, it's not so much that we are oblivious to the trends; uh, it's just that when the trends came, they came really quickly and hit us like a ton of breaks in terms of uh, our ability to react with alacrity. So I think we are in a better space right now to uh, innovate uh, because a lot of the scaling issues from the past year uh, has been sorted out. So one thing to note is that like uh, at CMC, like uh, we, we are fighting battles on multiple fronts because we also service like we provide an enterprise grade API service to uh, some really large companies like Samsung. So anything that you do from a product innovation standpoint could have like a downstream or upstream ramifications to some of the other uh, products that we also maintain. So it, I, think, uh, a, I think a lot of the workflow and the, after the like post-acquisition integration, a lot of these processes have been sort of iron out a lot of the teething pains. So uh, as far as that is concerned, I think a lot of it uh, stems from capacity issues, which have been uh, ironed out for the most part. So in terms of keeping up, or abreast of trends, like uh, I guess investing investing in capabilities uh, or infrastructure. I think that's something that's always uh, on an ongoing basis. And the other thing, of course, is I think uh, we would like to see greater, we would like to facilitate greater participation from our user base to you know leverage some of the new features that we have. For example, like the watch list, the, the categories feature. Like I think these are fertile grounds for user generated content. So just imagine, like uh, if you want to become an influencer. Uh, or say if you were an influencer, you can grow your following of your watch list to a sizable number. I think uh, that could also be a rising tide that lifts all boats, right? Because you're, you're kind of like a tastemaker. You pick projects that uh, generate good returns or maybe are of a high quality or things like that. So I think a U the UGC angle is uh, going to be pretty important uh, because we're, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at this through the prism of... Um, growing an ecosystem or creating an ecosystem. I think that's um, pretty important. So like, uh, in fact, one of the things that I had suggested, I think from two years back, like in 2019, if you were to look into the annals of uh, CMC's uh, blog post history of this article that was uh, that I co-authored with uh, Carolyn, uh, uh, it's called Six Anniversary Blog Post in it. Like we outlined the blueprint of the data uh, accountability alliance. So, um, like a lot of the, I think, uh, ideas back then are still pertinent today. To, to <coughs> a lot of the ideas back then are still pertinent today. So 
uh, let me give you an example. Like uh, one of the things, uh, one of the cornerstones of that uh, entire proposal was to incentivize transparency. So how do we do that? By availing a wider array of data points on our site. And what's the mechanism that we do that by? Like so. Uh, I had suggested like a self-reporting dashboard where projects would have more ownership of uh, the, uh, the various data points on their site. Like for example, events, harvenings, uh, mainnet launches, the whole nine yards. So I think it's something that uh, is a net positive for both uh, CoinMarketCap and the project because the information that's available on our site uh, is uh, more comprehensive and up-to-date. So it enhances the breadth and depth of content on our site. And at the same time, uh, the users benefit because uh, they are able to make more informed decisions with a, a, a panoply of data points. So uh, I think that's uh, one angle. In fact, we actually have a, a, a rather beta version of the self-reporting dashboard right now. But I think uh, over the next year or so, uh, we're going to beef up that functionality and incentivize projects to uh, keep uh, the non-sensitive data points up to date. I mean, obviously, there's stuff like the stuff uh, that pertain to rankings, you know, like the circulating supply, a lot of it uh, is still kind of sensitive because uh, there's a lot of uh, attempts to game the system. Uh, so, yeah, I think for the most part, like, uh, yeah, the, the central premise is really to avail a wider array of data points to our users. Uh, yeah, and ensure that it's more updated and it will be done through such mechanisms. That makes a lot of sense. And... I love how um, you know you are definitely thought leaders, and you are shaping the narrative for um, for crypto in general. And and um, as you said, you you have more viewers than a Wall Street Journal, so you definitely have a lot of power in influencing uh, people's perceptions of the industry. Um, so, in terms of advice for our listeners, and also how our listeners can contribute to Coin Market Cap, um, what are some things that that you can share in terms of how we can provide value uh, to your network? Um, I think um, given that we are a price aggregator, I think uh, what can be of value to us is just uh, a steady drip of uh, leads uh, with regard to high quality projects. So we get, we, I think in recent months, we've seen an uptick in new coin applications. So sometimes the signal to noise ratio has sort of worsened. So I think uh, we're just looking for people Who's in whom uh, we actually trust uh, when it comes to vetting projects. So I think from what we've seen, there's a number of launch pads that have uh, come out of the woodwork these days. They've had a pretty good, uh, a decent track record in kind of uh, finding, you know, uh, gems, uh, hidden gems, so to speak. So yeah, um, we, we definitely are open to such conversations and uh, working more closely with them for like when it comes to lead generation of uh, yeah, new projects and stuff like that. So I think that's one angle. Um, the other angle would probably be just, I think, growing our ecosystem in general, like uh, our community. So if uh, you know of any uh, people who uh, are interested in working collaboratively with us, we are definitely open to like discussions on how we can uh, frame this in a win-win manner. So, yeah. That's great. So, if you're interested in collaborating with the CoinMarketCap team or also just uh, contributing to their, their listings, you can message me on Telegram at the real Min Kim, T H E R A R E A L M I N K I M. And I'm happy to put you in touch with Aaron. 
Erin, do you have any other last pieces of advice for people who are looking to enter crypto? Okay, I, I think the basic advice, because since, I mean, if you go, go back to the roots of crypto, it's fundamentally about self-sovereignty, right? It was a reaction against uh, the bailout of Wall Street. If you look at the genesis block of, uh, of Bitcoin, it was an allusion to uh, a bailout by the Bank of England, if I recall correctly. So uh, in keeping with that ethos, I suggest that everyone uh, do your own research and uh, take ownership and responsibility of whatever decisions that you make. So I think some basic like, tenets would be just don't bet the farm or the house on crypto. Don't take loans or whatever to buy more uh, crypto. Basically play with what you can afford to lose. I think that would allow you to sleep at night. Uh, soundly because there are like some really wild gyrations in the market and uh, if you put too much in I think uh, it, it can be take a toll on your mental health but at the end of the day like uh, it's the intersection of technology politics and uh, a number of other disciplines so it can be quite uh, edifying if you put the work to it so I think you can get started by listening to the lectures of Andreas Antonopoulos uh, binge watching it um, I mean, there's also Gary Gensler. He did a, he's the incoming SEC chair. Uh, he has like a series of lectures on MIT. He's actually quite uh, enlightened about crypto. Like, he presents like a different side of the argument. He's looking at it through the lens of a regulator, but he he does know his stuff. So just uh, watch it from that. From I, I guess keep your perspectives open. I think that's most important because uh, crypto is also happens to be very tribal. And it's very easy to be caught just in, uh, like, in, in inside certain echo chambers, and that's not healthy. Always uh, expose yourself to a plurality of viewpoints. I think that would help you navigate the space a fair bit. So yeah, and obviously listen to as many podcasts as you can. Like uh, for example, like um, I think Pomp does a pretty good job of uh, interviewing uh, quite a number of guests. Obviously, he has a certain view, but. I mean, the key thing is just to keep an open mind. I think that's really very, very important in this space because things change really quickly. Uh, innovation happens at the speed of light. So yeah, never get wedded to a certain idea. And when the facts change, uh, be sure to change your mind as well. Makes sense. Any last parting words or um, pieces of advice that you'd like to uh, leave our listeners with? Last words. Um, I think... Just double, uh, double in the space, uh, play around with some of the dApps uh, because I think we're still in the early innings. Like a lot of the dApps that we see don't have a lot of users. So I think the day, the tipping point will really come when uh, you actually have a dApp with say like 10 million monthly users or something like that. So uh, yeah, just now is the time to experiment, right? Like if you, you go back to the days of IRC, I think we're in the ICQ or maybe Netscape. Uh, phase. So I can still remember those days. Uh, and it has definitely, like, I mean, uh, like information technology has come a long way, like back from I back from the days of ICQ or IRC, like who would have thought, expected it to evolve to uh, the Leviathan that it has today in the form of like, uh, say, you know, uh, Facebook, like all the big tech companies, like it's a lot more uh, robust in terms of functionality. So right now, like, uh, I think there are a lot of hurdles to clear, right, in, on the UI side of things. So uh, just experiment because like this phase uh, won't last forever. So at least you can have kind of like the battle scars to say that, you know, you, you dabbled with the stuff when it was uh, still kind of like creaky and janky and stuff like that. So, yeah. I totally agree with you. And 
I think that this has been a really informative podcast for all of our listeners, and I think they've learned a ton. So thanks, Aaron, for being here. I really appreciate your taking the time, and hopefully we can reach back out in three to six months and kind of understand uh, the progress that you're making at CoinMarketCap, and just always happy to, to track your journey. Um, is there any way that our listeners can also follow you on social media or um, is there a newsletter that you have? Um, I don't have a newsletter. I'm pretty... I try to stay incognito for the most part. Uh, if you want to get hold of me, um, let me see. I think go through you is probably the best uh, <laughs> best mechanism because I, I trust your ability to screen <laughs> people. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> sounds great. So if you're interested in getting in touch with Aaron feel free to ping me um, on our website in the contact us form. And also you can follow coin market cap on Twitter. Uh, they have a great social media presence, super funny, super informative. So um, you can probably find all the latest updates on there. Is that right? Yeah. Sounds good. Yeah. Pretty much. I think you hit the nail on the head. Great. So thanks so much again for being here, Aaron, and uh, looking forward to tracking your progress. And in, in the meantime, uh, you know, if I'm sure that all of our listeners are just grateful for you um, sharing a lot of your wisdom here today, and hope hope they'll they'll get in touch. So, thanks so much for being here again. Likewise, man. It was a pleasure chatting. Have a good one. Bye. You too. Bye. Thank you for listening to Around the Coin. If you enjoyed the show today, consider giving us a quick review wherever you listen to podcasts. Tweet about it or text it to a friend. We really appreciate all the support and growing that we can. If you have any guests you'd like us to bring on or feedback for us, don't hesitate to reach out. We would love to hear from you. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Thank you.